This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. I am so happy you're listening today. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I'm Sandy Scarlatta, and I have been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. As we head into a new year, here's some food for thought. How many times have you gotten excited to make your New Year's resolutions only to abandon them? It's okay, you're not alone. Statistics show that roughly 50% of the population sets New Year's resolutions, and yet the majority of those give up within the first 30 to 45 days. In fact, 80% of people who make New Year's resolutions will abandon them during the month of February. I want more than anything for you to succeed in 2023 and have five tips to share with you. One, create a detailed plan on how you're going to ensure that you follow through and take action. Two, get an accountability partner. Three, attach your emotions to the goals. What I mean by that is how will achieving them make you feel? Four, set up an app to track your goals or set up an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action. And lastly, five, celebrate your wins. This is so important because when you celebrate it and give yourself a pat on the back, what you're doing is you're reinforcing that positive behavior and you're more likely to continue doing it. So thank you so much for listening today. And don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Today's episode is amazing and I am so grateful for you. Enjoy the show. Adit and Brenda, it is so exciting to see you guys and have you on my show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sandy. Hi. Thanks for having us, Sandy. (laughs) Of course. Of course. You guys are in New York, right? You're based in New York. That's right. That's right. I'm a a New Yorker by heart, but this is a California girl who I've had to stay here for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was looking over your bio. You have an interesting story about how you met, and hopefully you can't hear the background noise because the trash is picking up my trash right now outside my window. Oh, good. I'm glad you don't hear it because it's like really loud right here. Um, But hey, you know what? We can't control some certain external circumstances. So tell us about the story about how you met. And I want to dive into your acting careers as well. But let's let's hear your story about how you guys met. Well, you know, it's a really special story that it... We met each other during such a fervent, insane year. And it's crazy to think that we both lived 20 blocks from each other in New York, both went to NYU, and literally it took us going to Bangalore, India, to be on the set of a pilot for Amazon for a TV show that they were doing there called Breakfast in Bangalore, for us to go there playing brother and sister. That's how we met. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Really funny because we, we like everyone always thinks that we met in New York because we're both actors and we're both Indian 
And we're like, no, we never knew each other until breakfast in Bangalore happened. That's it. <laughs> That's so funny. Halfway across the globe. <laughs> wow. Wow. But you guys, I mean, you, you don't even have an accent. At oh, all. yeah. No, it's like, oh. and the fun thing about the show, it was such a good idea, actually. Uh, it was sad that it didn't get picked up, but the girl did. So, you know, yeah. someone, someone got something. <laughs> But it was all about Indian American kids who grew up in America with American accents who go back to India and kind of struggle to adapt to the culture and, you know, don't know how to go from eating cereal to eating South Indian food for breakfast. So it had a really fun premise. And, yeah. you know, we kind of had a, a lot of fun just even exploring all that because we were kind of going through it with the characters and falling in love on the side too. So it was really special. Exactly. And like India, trips to India growing up were always like very sheltered, yeah. curated experiences by our parents, which when I say curated, I mean <laughs> literally just going from relative to relative's house, like eating a million different kinds of foods and calling it a day at like 7 p.m. So this was really special to like see India in a new light, to see that there were restaurants and there were bars in India and we could take day trips outside of Bangalore. Like it was just such a, it was really cool to fall in love in a, in the place where our parents are from. Yeah. And I was born there and I'd never been back until the show. So really, yeah, yeah, it was like a nice full circle moment where I came back as an actor and, you know, found the love of my life. And it was one of those things where, you know, you just don't plan for those things. You know, that was the last thing that I thought in my mind would be how it all went down. Yeah. Of course, because you don't plan. And I, you know, I, I always say that I manifested my husband, my second yeah. husband. And it was kind of like in the middle of the night, I woke up and I, I was tired of these relationships that weren't going anywhere. <clears throat> and I made a list of everything that I wanted. Year, a year and a half goes by. Wow. And I had broken up with somebody. I had decided like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to focus on me. I don't want a man in my life. And a friend of mine begged me to come to this mixer. And in the past that I, the ones that I had gone to, most of the men were very, very much older than me, like 20, 25 years older. And I was like, I like older men, but not no more than 10 years, you yeah. know, like that's yeah. my cutoff. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, I told my girlfriend, I said, I will come for 10 minutes. <laughs> Within five minutes, I meet the love of my life. Wow. And we've been together now for, it'll be 11 years, coming up in 11 oh. years now. And I'm like, I did not expect it. And that's yeah. when things happen because, you know, you want to expect great things to happen, but you don't put it like it needs to be by this time frame because yeah. the universe delivers things to us. It's not on our timetable. Yeah, that's it. Totally. That's totally it. In fact, I was watching a YouTube video a couple nights ago. Maybe it was like Christmas night or something. And basically it was a girl who she makes a lot of like inspirational videos. And she said, think of asking the universe for what you want as if you're ordering at a restaurant, which is kind of like what you did in manifesting yep. your partner. You, yep. you asked for what you wanted and then you forgot about it and trusted that, okay, we told the waiter what we wanted. The meal's going to come. We don't have to keep on pestering them and pestering them and saying, where's my food? Which is kind of like what we do with our dreams. And we like live, right. don't try not to live in the lack, which is something that I'm thinking about a lot. Yes. Yes. And you know, I'm in the coaching space as well. And there's a lot of coaches out there that come from a space of, of lack and I call it scarcity. Yeah. Right. And instead there's plenty to go around. There's plenty right. of, it's just like being in acting, right? Because totally. very, exactly. very similar. 
Yeah. Because you're all competing for that one part or whatever, but there's plenty to go around. Exactly. It's not a zero sum game at all, but when you talk to people, it seems like that. And I feel like that's typically our minds trying to, you know, build a construct around how things work. And then we're trying to like break around it and it never works that way. You know, it's like, it's like what you were saying about the noise outside. That's like acting for us where we're like, look, there's so many things we can't control. So let's focus on the things that we can. Exactly. You're speaking my language. I love that. (laughs) Right. You know, I always say, don't, if, if you can control it, don't worry about it because you can control it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can't control it, don't worry about it because you can't control it. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, like, send send anyone, one of your clients who who is dealing with that to be an actor for like two weeks and they'll learn that lesson fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sharing with you before we started recording that I wanted to be an actress when I was little. I was a competitive figure skater. So for me to be on the ice, you don't say anything. So it's really easy to get out there and you just perform. Talking on stage or even worse, singing on stage for me, when you're at, like I can, I'm a public speaker as well. I can get up on stage and I can talk all day long, but give me a script and I'm like, hi, my name is Joanna. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm like the worst. And so- how did you guys get into acting and where do you find that or how do you get into that zone rather i guess it would be right because you really have to like get into some you've got to get into a character how do you prepare for that and and what is it about acting that that drew you to that profession we have such different stories coming into it which is why it's also really awesome to to hear it and like bounce off each other so you go yeah well it's interesting. I grew up in like a very, I had a really unique childhood because my dad is a physicist and my mom does classical Indian dance. So I have these like very two opposing, but like kind of similar viewpoints of like life and, and art and science growing up. And grow, I grew up in, um, in Livermore, which is in the Bay Area. And there was a lot of like that town is known for having a, a huge, there's a huge lab there that a lot of scientists go to. And then there's also a huge art scene. We have an opera company, there's a theater company. So I grew up sort of surrounded with a ton of children's theater and I grew up doing dance with my mom. So I always had this like artistic backbone, which is sort of my safety net. I was like very shy and I didn't have too many friends in school. So being in, in those communities of children's theater and, and the dance school, it was always sort of my way that I felt safe. And I think I just sort of kept on continuing that. And like, I was kind of just born with that, that feeling of like, okay, I have to keep on chasing this community and this, this pursuit of telling a story and, and making others feel safe in the process too. So then I went to NYU for drama school. And his story is really interesting too. Again, both two very different, different, you know, and it's incredible that we met the way we did, because for me, it was, it was sort of like, I was never allowed to be too creative. So I was sort of the child looking for ways to let it out that were safe and, you know, allowed. So it would always be outside of school. So it'd be like, oh, why weren't you allowed? It was, it was sort of just not. It was sort of expectations of what a brown man should become. So it's like, I remember doing my first stand-up comedian routine and it was like, 
uh, you're either a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. <laughs> you know, and the only the only funny thing that I did through that was I was like, "What about business school guys?" They're like, "Oh, huh, huh, that's interesting. That that could make you a lot of money." And I'm thinking, if I want to be an actor, if I go to business school and learn how things work, I can somehow pivot. And of course, none of that is how it plays out, but that was sort of my thinking. But yeah, I was sort of never allowed to be too creative, but I was doing all kinds of things like emceeing and dancing to Bollywood songs on stage and making videos with my classmates. So it was kind of there, but I think my parents were kind of hoping like, hey, it'll subside. It's like, you know, it's a phase. It's a phase. <laughs> and then I was like, my, um, my sister went to Pratt Institute. She went to art school in New York and she's older than me. So they were like, we lost one child to the yard, so you got to stick to the path. And they doubled down on me. Um, and, you know, li life has its own way of working out. So I went to business school. Um, I tried all sorts of jobs. I think I had like six to eight jobs. And in different, different industries through business school, consulting, banking, um, publishing. And I was still kind of had the itch for acting. So I kind of had one of those where I had to try a lot of things and prove to myself that, hey, I still want to do this. And so I went to get like the highest paying banking job I could get. And I started producing a show. I wrote it, acted it, directed it, put it on YouTube. <laughs> and it wasn't great, but I had to do it. You know, I was like, let me just do it to make sure I want to do this. And I was like, wow, I know nothing about the thing that I want to do. So I got to learn. And I printed out Yale Drama School's curriculum, quit my job. They thought I was going to another firm. I was like, nope saved all my money and kind of put myself through my own version of acting school with studios in New York. And I kind of got work in the theater, which set me up on everything. And again, theater was the furthest thing from my mind, but it was the, the thing that gave me everything, you know? Really? So it was, it was really the, cause I got a, a contract for one year of theater, which just doesn't happen. And I was competing with all these MFAs and they're all like, oh, this kid, no way he's going to do it. <laughs> and somehow I'm like doing, you know, I, I went to the Guthrie and McCarter and I was telling B, I was like, I had no idea what those theaters were. <laughs> and she was like, those are some of the best theaters in America. And I was like, oh, cool. Good to know. You know? <laughs> so oh my gosh. it's just this funny thing where I kind of had to carve my own way. But, you know, I'm, I'm back in the day, I was really resentful or scared of that. But now I'm so grateful because I think it all happens for a reason. And. I kind of found my own way to it. And I had a lot of natural raw talent and everything about studying. And like you said, like self-help and self-starting, I've always been like that. I'm an autodidact. I like to learn and it's mostly to improve, not to get an end result. So because of that upbringing, this is how I approach acting. And so that's, it's like, I want to help other people know that there's a way that they can belong that's fulfilling. And that's why I think acting is so interesting to me because I can do a lot of different jobs and then I can drop it completely, <laughs> but I can immerse and I can go in there and then I can let it all go. And I'm going to probably be doing that for most of my life. So that's kind of what brought me here. That's awesome. So what would you say is some of the, the hardest lessons that you've learned through your, your journey with acting? Because it's a profession like anything else. And I feel like, you know, I, I was so excited to talk to you guys because not only do, does everybody, you know, look up to actors and actresses in this country and, and throughout the world. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a rough business. 
totally. it's a tough, tough industry. And you guys, you guys are very successful. So like, what were some of the hardest lessons that you learned to help keep your head on straight and in the game? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that people, uh, if you don't mind, I'll yeah, go for it. Since yeah. I was thinking something <laughs> while you were asking this question and it's like, there's this whole thing about, um, expectations and sort of how you think things are going to go when you become an actor. And, you know, there's always this thing that you learn about, but once you really learn how to do it, it, it changes everything where if you start thinking about what other people think a lot, which we tend to do in real life, but in acting more so because it's so front facing and you have your personal appearance. But one of the big things that I think with acting has really helped both in the craft and the life aspect is when we get a certain script or a character, Brenda and I are now big on, okay, there's going to be certain things that we have to fulfill based on the needs of the script. Like the character's uh, knows physics or a character's a doctor. So you're going to have to learn some of these things, but there's another side of it, which is, Hey, we're unique. And we have our own point of view on this, that we have to trust that someone else is going to have a different point of view and ours is going to be unique. And it's that thing of not caring what other people think, which is mm. the hardest thing to do. But if you can trust, instead of putting it on the other person, I like to put it on ourselves, which is if we can trust ourselves in what we're bringing to the table and live with that, then you can't really be too hurt. And sometimes that's when some of the magic really happens. Not when you're trying to say, oh, I think they're looking for this. So let me play that. It's like, mm. we can come up with something that's really, really gets my gears and my engine going, it'll read. And if it doesn't work, it wasn't meant to be. And if it does, I know exactly what it is that I thought of to do that, you know? And that's like a, it's a really hard thing. I read Marlon Brando's book and it was that he would go into the room and in his mind say F you to everybody in, in the room so that he didn't care what people thought. And it's a really hard thing to do because of course you want the job and of course you want the career and you want the wins. But that is that funny thing of prepare as much as you can, but then like have absolute faith in ourselves that we're going to bring our version and it's going to work or it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. And everything that you just said are life lessons that everyone. <laughs> totally. It's those are golden nuggets guys. They really are. And, oh. and, for me, I know that was a really hard thing because I was constantly worrying about what other people thought about me. Yeah. And it was probably probably 25 years ago, one of my friends said to me, Sandy, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, and I didn't get it right away, but, it, but boy, she planted that seed. And it probably took me a few years to really digest it. Yeah. Because we are, you know... That, that causes so much unhappiness in people's lives because you're so focused on what, what everybody else is thinking about you. Totally. And it's all in here, you know. It's totally. All, yeah. It's yeah. all in your head. Yeah. So, and I feel that when we're trying to pander to other people, it's going back to that thing that you said about the speech and, and how you put words and emotions and thoughts to the text that's in front of you. I think that what you say literally what you say is so sacred. And when we try to say things that are in service to what other people think that we might want or what, sorry, what they might want, like then it just, it really, it blocks your channels. And it's kind of acting is all sort of about being, having an open instrument and, and protecting yourself, but also being vulnerable and letting yourself just jump freely into, into other worlds. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Is it too late for me to start an, an acting career? <laughs> <laughs> no, never, never, never. Absolutely never. not. And and in fact, I think it would be such a, a fun segue for you for where you are in life because you yeah. won't be worried about all the things that when you early start, when you're an actor in the early days, I, I wish I could go back to myself then and be like, here are all the things you're worrying about and just throw it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, just go, go to classes, you know, like yeah. go, go to dancing. I would have taken tango classes or something, you know, something like out there to get you out of your mind. That's what I probably would have done. I think I would have, I would have lived for like six months in Spain and done like a clown school. <laughs> <laughs> just to get out of my head. <laughs> You know, you were mentioning about the craft and I kind of want to relate it to um, what you were saying about uh, you were, you were um, pro figure skater and being on the ice and, you know, you were talking about how you don't have dialogue, but I think about what you have to do and that's like, wow, that seems way harder because it's all about the actions and, you know, getting it in your body Mm -hmm. and what, that's what we do with our scripts. You know, it's like, we try ways to get it into our body. So it's not in your mind. And that's kind of the work that is really, I have to say, like when B and I got together, you always think with acting, especially in entertainment, you think, oh, single life is like the way to go. And you want to be alluring and you want to be the single person that everybody desires. And that's how I thought too. And my career literally went through the roof after meeting her. And it's a total opposite of what you think, because you think, oh, like I'm going to be a relationship. People are going to be like, oh, you're less desirable. But in fact, we can help each other out in so many ways that we can, she's ready to willingly help me. Like once I remember, I was like, I think I need to do something with my body for this character and like be really slimy. She's like, okay, why don't you be a worm? And I'm like, okay. So then I'm on the floor rolling around like a worm doing the lines. And then it gives me a character. Imagine the dirt on your stomach. See the leaves that you're going to eat. Doing this crazy acting exercise that anyone else would judge me for. But and, that was one of the best roles I've ever seen him do. Yeah, and I booked it. That was a crazy thing, you know? And then it was like, you get this character where I had like seven accents in Westport uh, Theater in Connecticut. And it was like, my goodness, could I not have done that without it, it her? It seemed incomparable, honestly. Yeah. When we first got the script, we were like, how is this going to happen? But it was, the, it was the best thing ever. It was amazing. And getting wow. in your body is so big. You know, we look at the words, but it's all about translating that from the page to... Here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I still think it's way above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're not convincing me yet, but that's okay. (laughs) I'll just stick to interviewing people on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we we have a little bit of time left. Um, How has culture affected you in terms of both of you in terms of have you felt that it's been limiting at all and i know things are changing a lot and we're seeing a lot more diverse diverse cast members a lot more diverse has that been an issue for you at all or has or has more doors opened up for you yeah, well, I'll start. I'll start with a little story, a quick story. I remember, like, in the very beginning of my career, right when I had graduated um, NYU, mm-hmm. I remember reaching out to so many different agents and managers, and they would always say this thing of, "Well, we have one Indian girl on our roster, so we can't really have another." And that sort of oh wow, yeah, right. And that that kind of put me 
going back to your scarcity mindset, I think, I think that happened to myself and a lot of other young men and women who were trying or Indian or, or not even Indian, black, Hispanic, mm -hmm. wherever, wherever it might be from. And that put us in that scarcity mindset from the beginning that there was only this very small designated portion of the pie that we all had to scramble and try to get. And I think finally now things are changing for, for the better, but there's still a long way to go. In my opinion, there's still yeah. not the kind of representation that we see in the world today on screen. Yeah. I think the big thing is like, it's, it's great because it's come a long way from even five years ago, but I'll tell you that even five years ago, we were seeing um, during pilot season, which is February, all the new scripts for all the new TV shows come out. And honestly, for more than five years before the diversity angle was, you know, in vogue, there were mm -hmm. always scripts about um, an Indian father and American mother raising their kids and, you know, how's the culture duality. The problem is that most of the times they don't get picked up because they don't have the trust that, hey, we can have this idea live by itself. So kind of what we're seeing is that it's become this thing of if there's a celebrity name attached to it, then they're all for pushing the diversity angle. So you have someone like Mindy Kaling and they'll push it. But if you don't have someone like that, Riz Ahmed, Mindy Kaling, you know, these people kind of behind it, you end up being like a token role that they're just filling the quota in. And that's a little tough, you know? So of course there's never have I ever, but then that's only one show, you know? Yeah, so exactly. it's that feeling. I just had an episode on Law and Order and, you know, I had a fantastic time and it's a great show, but literally there was not a single brown person on that set in front of camera or behind camera. So you just see how far we still have to go on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, especially in the past couple of years, you've seen a big shift, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we still have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and we're hoping on that front that, you know, we meet more people and we, we've been lucky enough to meet a bunch of people who've been open and in that abundance mentality, as opposed to competition and let's close the doors. Yeah. So that gives us a lot of hope because there are a lot of, a lot of people who are trying to change it. Um, I don't think they're as visible yet. So hopefully we can be a part of that, you know, totally. as, as time goes on. And it's made us more passionate about telling our own stories too, and sort of learning about directing, about writing cinematography, not with the goal of becoming that by any means, but just sort of arming ourselves with, with that knowledge and that understanding. So we're not just sitting by our phones, waiting for our amazing agents and managers to send us an audition and change our lives forever. Like, I think it's a team effort and something that you plant the seeds and it will come through the years. It'll change well, with Indian writers and Indian directors and India cinematographers. Like that's going to be really fun to see if all, all of us come up together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the industry has changed drastically in India. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's yeah. seeping in here too. And we yes. watched a lot of that too. So yeah. it's your culture point. You know, it's like, we're speaking to audiences there too. You know, the kids there are very similar to us, you know, of course. and they watch the same things, yeah. you know. Which is why, yeah. even, like, we want to be in stories where we don't have to be the Indian person. Let's just be a person who's yes. good at their job or 
pursuing love or trying to solve a problem, like whatever it may be. Um, let's just not have to be great all the time. Let's yeah. just sort of exist as, as humans. And thank you because that's, <laughs> that's the end. Re- that's the goal. It's yeah. just, yeah. 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 We all bleed red, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There's no differences here. Yeah. I mean, but let me tell you guys, your mindset is so phenomenal that you can accomplish anything that you, that you set out to do. I mean, you already know the secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Uh, living it every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you've got it. You've got that. And that's, that's what, it, that's what happiness solved is all about. It's like yeah. people, it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's and- it. And I have to say that I think it would be hard for us to have done it, at least for myself. It would have been hard for me to do individually as much as I wanted that. And everything really happened with our partnership. So we have a little hashtag, which is AB infinity, which is kind of encompassing the idea that there is no limit, you know? Right. And there isn't. And I love that you both have embraced things together because there's nothing better in life than to share your successes and your joys with somebody that you love. Yeah, that's, so, it. that's true. That's it. That's that's, that's so awesome. That. That's the real. That's the real goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we all need want that companionship, and we. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we finish up today? Do you have any projects coming up? And also, where can people um, learn more about you? Yeah. Yes. You both. Yeah. Well, I have an animated series coming out next year, which hopefully I can talk about soon. But you can find me at Instagram on Instagram, Brenda clicks it like a camera. <laughs> Brenda clicks it. Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was on Law and Order Organized Crime last week. Uh, I was in ADA Sanders role. It was really fun, action-packed role. So fingers crossed I'll come back. What episode week. was that? Episode nine. Season three. Episode Season nine. three, episode nine. Okay. Yeah. It's a fun one. And um, just writing it down. Yeah. Put, put on my <laughs> viewing list. Because that'll be so cool. Like, I, I met him. Let's see if you recognize me because I have a totally different, like, look at it. So it'll be fun to see. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. For but yeah, sure. Uh, Brenda and I are going to Istanbul for a little trip and we're going to do some, like, uh, a little video uh, project over there. Yeah. So we're getting excited. That's what we're going to do after this call. And yeah, you can find out more about us and, and all of our adventures on Instagram. My Instagram is Adit These Days. A-D-I-T, these days. Love it. Yeah. It has been such a joy, Adit and Brenda. You guys are so delightful and fun. And you just, like, I can feel your energy. Even though we're on, you know, we're on camera. Like, I can feel it. I'm so happy for you too. And best of success. Thank you, Sandy. Sandy. We'll we'll definitely be in touch. And, you know, likewise, it's been so, like, energetic and, and affirming to speak with you and, you know, yeah. meet other people who are like-minded. So it gives us, oh, it gives us strength. This is yes. a little therapy session for us. You know, <laughs> <on a> whole <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much guys. And uh, best wishes for a, a wonderful new year as well. Thank you. You too. Thank you. <laughs> Bye Sandy. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness.
Take care, everyone.